Hey there, beloved podcast listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to this is the sermon from Williamsburg Baptist Church from March 5th, 2023. And whether you're listening later this week or later this year or five years from now, we're so grateful that you stumbled upon this sermon and our podcast. My name is Art Wright, and I'm the pastor here. And we have really, since COVID, tried intentionally to cultivate uh, our, our digital space, meaning that we don't believe that church and worship just happens in person in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m., but we really do believe that our community is broader than that and um, that you're included in that, whoever you are and wherever you are. And um, so it really is a gift to us to know that you're listening and um, week in and week out, we're grateful for you and praying for you and that you find something meaningful and vital even in in and through um, this uh, this simple thing that we do, just pushing the, the sermon out each week. But we hope that it connects you in a deeper way to God and helps um, you to think more deeply about what it means to be a person of faith and a child of God and what it means to... Um, move through seasons like this, such as Lent, where um, where it is a challenging season and we're invited into repentance and transformation uh, and confession. And so I will tell you that I had a sermon and I woke up Saturday morning and it was not good. And I'll spare you all the gory details. But David Schuster um, got a phone call Saturday morning from me saying, I'm not feeling well, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it to church tomorrow. Would you consider stepping into the pulpit in my place? And so what you're about to listen to is um, David Schuster, a beloved member of this church. He, he'll mention in his sermon, he's actually our treasurer, but steps admirably and boldly and courageously into the pulpit to share from his heart very meaningfully uh, with very short notice. And so, David, if you're listening to this, I am ever so grateful. Um, and it's such so wonderful to have to be a part of a community of faith that does have um, such a deep bench in terms of folks that um, are willing to step in and share words of wisdom and courage and inspiration uh, from the pulpit. And David wasn't the only one who reached out. There were others, too. I even, believe it or not, got a... Um, a text on Sunday morning from someone who said they would be willing to to preach that more later that morning if need be. So um, that's truly a gift as pastor. But I'm looking forward to being back in person very soon. Anyway, more than enough for me. Just wanted for you to have a little bit of the backstory about how we managed to get David into the pulpit. I think that you'll find his sermon um, very helpful and a meaningful. And um, as always, would encourage you to head over to WilliamsburgBaptist.com if you'd like to find out more about our church or look us really more more up to date are our social media feeds on Instagram and Facebook. So would encourage you to check them out as well. Anyways, hope this sermon is meaningful to you this week. God bless. Uh, I want to introduce myself. You're kind of wondering, isn't he the treasurer? I'm David Schuster. Why would the treasurer be giving our sermon today? Uh, well, actually, we moved to Williamsburg in August 2021, and uh, it's the first time I've had Sundays free for a long time because I served as a pastor on and off for the last 16 years. And so what's really amazing, there's a lot of us here in this church 
Um, Frank and Jim usually sit in the front. They're not here this morning. Both are long-term pastors. Morgan actually is a minister as well, just saying for us. And Bob and Penny, who were here the last couple of weeks as well. There's, and there's more than that. I know Kathy knows all their names, but she's at spring training right now with Ed enjoying themselves. So you may wonder why are all these pastors coming here? Well, it's really a place of peace, acceptance, and grace, and, and just uh, where to find that in churches. And uh, it's, it's an amazing place. So those of us who've served in ministry for years and years just love being here. Me and myself, uh, my wife was recruited, Mindy was recruited to William & Mary. The first time we were here, we were walking down the street and we saw the banner. I said, I guess we found our church. So it was that, that basically that easy for us. And so it's been a wonderful place ever since. Um, we talked about this a little bit actually this morning at the spiritual formation class about pastors and issues they've had and, and uh, you know, life problems and churches that have failed. So I wanted to mention the spiritual formation class at 9.30 on Sundays because the faithful ladies that have been coming keep saying, where are the people? Because this is such an incredible time of fellowship and getting to know each other. And today we had a great group. And so please consider coming. We'd love to have you come. I had to admit to them last week that I haven't been coming because I had my Sundays free for the first time in a long time. And I was sitting at home with my wife reading the Sunday paper and listening to Paris Cafe on Spotify. So the only reason I actually got here on, for the spiritual formation class is Art said, why don't you teach the spiritual formation class? Lead it for eight weeks. And so that got me in. And I was like, why have I been missing this? This is a wonderful time. So if you, if you can only make one week, I wanted everybody to mention March 25th. Because on March 25th, we're going to discuss anointing of the sick. Not only will everyone who come get another free book, we also get to hear a life-changing, mind-altering story. The other thing about it, it's a lot of fun. So we even talk about dance parties and communion. We are talking about communion and dance parties. Tom actually talked about how growing up he was jealous of the Catholics because they could have dance parties at their church and he couldn't dance. So we have great conversations. So hopefully you'll get to come and join us. So which brings me today, well, why I'm delivering the sermon. So I joined about a year ago. And after joining, I, I had lunch with Art, and I said, you know, Art, if you ever have an emergency, I can come up with a sermon in 24 hours. And so yesterday I get a text, and he says, well, let's see if you can, you know. And so, um, so here we go. And so it's time for me to put up or shut up. And uh, Art would not say it that way. He's super kind and gentle, wonderful man. But uh, that's why I'm here today. Before I start, and I wish Michael Jones was here this morning, if anybody saw his 50th birthday party, I just want to do a shout-out for him if he's watching. Yes, you did look fabulous. You looked amazing. So I wanted to share that for anybody who's seen that. So I want to begin with last week. Last week we had uh, Max from across the street from William & Mary who came, and he spoke about Matthew 18, 23 to 35, about the servant who owed a large debt, was forgiven but wouldn't forgive another of a small debt, and then, of course, he was jailed because he didn't forgive his, his, his other ones owed less. And the end of the passage says, this is how the Heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Now, Max had some concerns with that based on his life experience about people using forgiveness as a way to get forgiven for awful things by saying, you believe in God, you're a Christian, you need to forgive me. It's required in there. And so I want to take it a little bit different before we start on today's, is that forgiveness is actually good for you. And, and it's really about more about you and than them. Because if you don't forgive people, it creates a root of bitterness in your heart. You become bitter. You become upset. You, you know, I've known a lot of people in their lives who've held this anger right till the day of their death. You know, I still know a lot of people that are super bitter. 
and are super angry and can't enjoy life because of how people mistreated them. So really forgiveness is about helping yourself. I actually looked it up online and Johns Hopkins has a whole article saying forgiveness, your health depends on it. So Johns Hopkins got a great hospital. Just take a look at it and read about it. It says the article claims that forgiveness lowers the risk of heart attack, improves blood pressure, cholesterol levels, and sleep. Chronic anger puts you into a flight or fight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. So everything Max said last week was great, but I wanted people to think about what forgiveness does for you. Because if we hold on to it, it just eats us up. And we don't want to be eaten up. You want to be released from that. He did give an example of this pastor who abused people through his forgiveness. So you could for, he could have forgiven that pastor. But just not go back to that church. You have nothing to do with that pastor. Just because you forgive someone doesn't have, mean you have to include them in your lives if they continue living in that same way. You need to move forward and, and do that. So, so today's passage, I didn't know Art's topic. It's not the same exact topic, but it's on the same scripture. He didn't tell me what the title was. But... Um, I should have told them when I said I could do a thing in 24 hours. It was any version except for the parable of the workers in the vineyard, right? So this is not an easy passage. This is a difficult passage. Actually, when I first read this on my own in junior high, yes, when everyone else was reading Tiger Beat magazine, Sports Illustrated, or Marvel and DC Comics, I was reading the Bible. So it says in 1 Peter 2.9 that believers, followers of Jesus are peculiar people. And I lived that label. Uh, that's exactly what I was. And actually... I know this is kind of crazy, but in senior year of high school, I don't know if they still do this, they created a will of what people were going to become. What is everyone going to become? What is you most likely to become? And mine was most likely to become a nun. <laughs> so, so that's exactly what mine was. So I lived that peculiar label. But this passage in junior high made me angry. I was mad about it. It wasn't fair. It's not equitable. Everyone should be treated the same. We reap what we sow. There's no such thing as a free lunch. All the things I learned as a kid, it was against all those things. And I was constantly arguing with teachers and the principal of my school whenever anything I saw wasn't fair. I was always fighting against fairness. But here is a scripture in the Bible that's totally not about fairness. People that came in and worked for an hour made the same as those that did in in their 12 hours. To me, it just seemed ridiculous. Now, that was my young self. As I've gotten older, I saw... The gentleness, the grace, the generousness that God gave us through that kind of teaching of us. But as a kid, it made me angry. So I could see me as one of those workers that would have been complaining to the owner that, hey, I should have gotten more because I was here longer. Now, I wouldn't have been one of the people that was at 6 in the morning. I may have showed up at 9 or noon, but I still would have been mad at those making more money that showed up at 3 or 6 or whatever time they came. So it was kind of my mindset as a child of the whole fairness part. And a lot of times in our lives, we see things that are not fair, and it's good to speak out about those, but God wanted to change the mindset because his thoughts are not our ways. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're totally different. And so, you know, I also thought about, here I was complaining to my teachers about fairness, and there's kids around the world who would have leaped at the chance to be in my spot because they couldn't be taught, they couldn't go to school. But you never think about that because, you know, in, in America, we're privileged. I'm super privileged. I'm a you know, white heterosexual male. I refer to myself as he, him. How do I get more, more uh, privileged than that? But uh, one of my favorite songs is from U2. It's based on Matthew 15, 27, where a woman tells Jesus even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. But that song is very difficult 
Because at the end of the song, it says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So when we look at fairness, it's not fair for us to be here compared to living, being born in some place that's horrible that you, you can't. I mean, think about all the people in, in uh, Syria right now, all the life they've lived, and now they've got these horrible earthquakes and the stuff happening to us. We're really blessed. So what is the point of this parable? Fairness versus generosity. Radical grace. The NIV version states that at the end of the section, it's just how Tim wrote it, read it. Are you envious because I'm generous? The Living Bible says, should you be angry because I'm kind? And I would have been the first one who was angry, like I said. But, but like I said, God's ways are not our ways. Jesus used this parable to represent an upside-down kingdom. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. Demonstrates this by, pray, by paying the last workers first. So not only did he give them the same amount of money, but he paid the last workers first. So all the other ones had to watch the ones that just showed up for an hour get paid first. So why would he tell the story this way? Well, all the religious people of that day, they had spent their lives serving God in their mindset, living the religious life, wearing certain clothes, treating people certain ways, doing certain things, thinking that they were going to get this great reward. And he was showing that those people, the ones he were reaching out to, the prostitutes, the lepers, the tax collectors, they're at the last minute. We're going to get the same reward as all those people. It was really revolutionary at that time, when you think about it, of the idea of rewarding the people who showed up at the last hour the same as those who've been working all day. And none of those who showed up for the last hour, they didn't deserve the pay. They hadn't earned it, right? But yet, it was given to them by grace, by generosity. So many look at this parable as how God's grace opens the door to heaven, even at the last hour. All receive the same reward, those who spent their life serving God and those who changed their lives near the end to serve others in God. Those who accepted the offer to work at the last 11th hour are treated the same in God's kingdom, which is pretty amazing. But I look at it differently. I kind of, over the years, I've transitioned my view of this scripture to look at it as a parable to focus on God's love. Jesus showed us a living example of radical grace and love. God's lo- God loves us each the same for those of us who have done all these amazing works, accomplishments in society. It is hard to grasp, but he loves all of us the same, but he does. So, you know, I, I, yeah, think about it. We think about this old thing about workers lining up, but think about it in a normal, modern setting at a workplace, right? So you've been working somewhere for 15 years. You finally get your promotion, your vice president. You may get a company car. You get a bonus, all this kind of stuff. A salary, maybe it's six-figure salary. So excited. You leave the room. And you see a guy that's been there 10 years, and he goes, I just got promoted today. He finally got the same promotion in you. Then he walked down the hall, and there's a guy that was there for five years. He got the same promotion as you. And then you run into a college student that's been there two months. And they got the same promotion as you, and they're saying, this is a great company. Look, I'm a vice president. I'm making six figures, and you've been there 15 years. You're going to be like, whoa, what? This is ridiculous. I've been working my tail off, and how come he gets the same promotion as me? So, but what Jesus is showing us is that it's, it's, you know, it's all based on what we don't deserve, that he loves us all the same. He, he, he's not going to, because you spent your life devoted to serving others versus someone who hasn't, you're still loved the same. No matter who you are, no matter whatever, God loves you the same. I love, and Lynn Underwood's been coming to the session when he's in the mornings, and that's what he always says to us, is that we're all in God's image and all beloved by God. So 
let's try to wrap our mind around two crazy examples. So I thought about two people that are the total opposites. So one example is Mother Teresa. Everybody knows Mother Teresa and all that she did. The lepers, the extreme poor, all that she served in India. John Hinckley Jr. Whoa, wait a second. Guys related to Williamsburg. Is sure you want to mention his name? He shot Reagan. That's really bad, right? Well, but God loves the two of them the same. How can that be? It's the truth. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. God loves you the same. And so, you know, John Hinckley spent 34 years at St. Elizabeth Mental Hospital in D.C., I actually served up there in ministry for many years, like seven years, working with the homeless population at St. Elizabeth. And so, you know, so this is a guy that's had a, done a lot of bad things, but then he wrote songs. I don't know if you guys know this. He tried to come and sing in Williamsburg Library, but there was outrage against that, and they wouldn't let him come. I looked at his songs, and they're all about love and kindness, treating others the right way, kind of mind-blowing, right? But I don't know where his heart is or what he believes, but the point is, is that that gentleman and Mother Teresa, God loves them the same. What does that mean? They mean that God loves each and every one of you. That you may feel, based on what people have said about you in the past, what people have labeled you, what you've believed about yourself because of what something said, that you can't be loved by God. It's not true. God loves each and every one of you. He wants to know each and every one of you. He just wants you to reach out to him and get to know him better. But he loves you just as you are. You don't have to get to a certain point where you're made yourself better to be loved by God. He loves you in your circumstance you're in right now, where you're sitting, wherever it is. He loves you. And, and so I want everybody to know that. And just like he loved Mother Teresa, he loves you. And it's so important to know that. So, you know, Jesus, he died for us. He gave his life for us. None of us deserved it. Just like those guys that came in the last hour didn't deserve it. But he practiced, in his practice of radical grace, he showed that love. And so I just want to make sure, and really it's all, I'm going to close with that, is that, you know, God loves him. Just turn to him. Let him he wants to embrace you, accept you. We love you here at Wings Baptist Church. We're here for you. You know, our and our whole team, we're glad to be here for any point. But just remember that you are a beloved child of God. Have a blessed day.